Welcome to the Positive View Podcast, the podcast where we explore life circumstances, mental roadblocks, and endless opportunity to discover the positive view. I'm your host, Brianna G. And I'm your other host, Christy Murphy. Today we're discussing getting comfortable being uncomfortable. Yes, but before we get into that, at the end of each episode, we set a mission for ourselves. Our last mission was to think of something you're pessimistic about and ask yourself why and what can you do to change that? Christy, how did it go for you? Okay, so the, the, actually the challenge on this mission for me was just to think of some one thing uh, because two things sprang to mind and so I'm going to share them both. Uh, if t- People who are regular listeners of the podcast will not be shocked to hear uh, the two things I'm pessimistic about, being outside mm-hmm. and travel. And so I've decided to combine those things with this month's, this week's uh, topic. And I came up with the idea that I'm going, um, I don't like, I don't mind being someplace new. I find that part exciting, but the hassle of flying somewhere and traveling for like a short vacation stresses me out more than not going on vacation. And I have a lot of negative feelings about the idea of becoming a traveler, even though the idea of traveling is exciting. And I realized I was very pessimistic about middle seats and aggressive passengers. And outside, I didn't like sweating, sweating and (laughs) being tired and being looking ugly in front of people, Mm -hmm. like, because I'm sweaty. And, um, so I have was thinking about that, and I decided that the things that I could do is, one, we're taking a day trip where we're just going to drive an hour and stay in a budget motel. People are welcome to have their feelings about that, but I love me a budget motel. I don't feel like I'm wasting my vacation if I'm just enjoying cable television and a cheap pool. I like it. And so, um, so yeah, that's what we're going to do, and I am going to be less pessimistic about being outside because there will be beach. It will be a lot cooler. And Brianna, embracing this week's episode as well, I have committed to wearing shorts in public where there are people, but nobody who knows me. Ha ha, except for my guy who thinks I look fine in shorts. Okay. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that uh, you identify the pessimistic you know, the the things and then you identify the things to kind of combat that, which is just awesome. Uh, This week for me, I think I was leaning in, I have been rather leaning into a little bit of pessimism about this um, next kind of professional endeavor that I'm that I'm looking for. And rather than just take the steps as they come, I'm already looking out Far, was looking out far to the outcome and, of course, looking at it from a perspective of uh, I'm going to fail, which isn't at all positive, right? Uh, but looking at it from a perspective that even if I do all the things, I'm, it's just not going to work. It's just not going to work. And uh, I had to come to, a, well, I had to fix that thought process. So rather than looking at the outcome, I am kind of taking one of those uh, cues that we've talked about or those steps we've talked about before and just looking at it from a step-by-step perspective. So what is the first, you know, what are maybe the first five things that I can kind of identify that I need to do? And I'm going to just do that and focus on that and not worry about the outcome or not focus too much on the outcome, but rather just be very present to the state that I'm kind of in now, see what I have control over now and 
just leave it there. That's all I'm, that's all I'm doing. That's all I'm looking at. That's all. And the minute I start looking down the road at like, but what about this and that? I'm going to just say, no, we're, we're focused right here. These steps still need to be done. And you can look at the next step. Again, not the outcome or the end piece, but you can look at the next step when these first, like I said, three to five um, have been completed. And I feel like that's giving me a little bit more breathing space around it. It's not getting me caught up in these negative stories or it's help helping to combat, I guess, the negative stories. And I'm just feeling a little bit better about getting started. I love that. And I do find it interesting because you're a kind of person who does the work and you're very achieving and you do have the ability to see like long-term circumstances, which is a real talent. Uh, and so I love that wherein I have to focus on just the next thing mm-hmm. that you're like, uh, yeah, I don't do that. The next three to five things, like that's enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know I just love, cause like we get to cater what we do, you know what I mean? To how it's going to work for us, you know? And I do actually, and I love that you brought up negative stories because I think a lot of the negative stories we tell ourselves we flee from and it sort of prevents us from being uncomfortable, which is, uh, the topic of this week's podcast, which is we are discussing getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. And when I say that, Brianna, what does that mean for you? Mm -hmm. I feel like what that means for me is usually I have to, uh, it's going to be hard to describe because it's a lot of mental gymnastics I do. getting in that uncomfortable space. But as you said, it's usually I've told myself a story about an outcome and that like that that outcome feels like it would be just too big or too uncomfortable uh, too bleh, I guess, for me to handle. And so I don't want to experience that. So I pull back and I don't necessarily do anything or I just keep thinking through like ways to get to an outcome like if um say that I have a particular goal in mind and all I can really see is how I'm it's not going to work out which my brain happily does for me cuz right looking for all the <laughs> looking for the barriers to mitigate any discomfort or or for me failure um so usually I don't really even know if I would, if it would not work out. I just am telling myself that it won't. And again, to to not even get close to experiencing that discomfort, I either just drop that goal. Um, I go for a, something kind of like goal adjacent, but isn't really what I want. Uh, and then feel like I've saved myself, I guess, some discomfort. Uh, and and like I said, I'm really good at rationalizing things. So kind of rationalize then like that I've actually won something despite not actually going for the things that I want, which is, as I think back on this kind of description is a little convoluted, but that's what's happening. (laughs) I totally know what you mean. It's interesting because I have in pursuit of something that I really wanted, I have allowed myself to be uncomfortable and I But what's really interesting is I hadn't realized how many times I've chose to be comfortable instead of getting what I want. Mm -hmm. And it's really exciting because I've been listening to the audiobook of Shonda Rhimes's uh, The Year of Yes or something about yes. Just look up the Shonda Rhimes book. It's the one. And she um, reads it herself. So I love the audiobook. Get it from your library. Uh, And she talks about 
becoming comfortable with being uncomfortable as being a superpower. And one of the things that I realized about myself is that I will avoid discomfort not realizing that what I've done is put myself on a path to not great things Mm -hmm. just because in the moment I didn't think it through. Like I have avoided uncomfortable conversations to set boundaries with friends or people I know that turns out aren't really my friends because I was so afraid of appearing rude or have them not liking me that I end up doing their taxes for them or like, and And if I would have just had an uncomfortable conversation, I could have avoided, without exaggeration, years of uncomfortable social events and obligations that were draining me if it wasn't for the fact that I just couldn't stand up for myself. And I hadn't really realized that by choosing not to like stress myself out and do these things, that By just avoiding that, I was actually choosing a less satisfactory life Mm -hmm. and actually choosing to be less happy. Mm -hmm. And it was just, it just feels like for me, being uncomfortable, the fear of an uncomfortable conversation or the fear of discomfort is something that's so subconscious. I don't realize that avoidance of that, it comes at a great cost to me. And that's why I loved Shonda Rhimes talking about it. I'm really excited about this episode because I feel like if I can get comfortable being uncomfortable, saying yes to things I want to do, saying no to things I don't want to do, asking for things I'm afraid people don't think I'm entitled to have, but just getting those answers to me does sound like the secret to everything that's been ailing me. But then I am the kind of person who thinks this new thing will solve everything. (laughs) And hey, you know what? Maybe it will. I, right, maybe, right? We can, because we're taking the step of cautious optimism, (laughs) we're going to say it will. It'll change a lot. (laughs) It will change a lot. And I think that, um, you know, looking back at, I I really appreciate you talking about um, the idea or, or the coming to the realization rather that perhaps unconsciously or subconsciously you were choosing the less comfortable excuse me, the, what's the word? The less, the more comfortable. I mean, it's not necessarily even more comfortable, but like the thing that gives you less discomfort, I guess that's, I'm going to be convoluted all day today. It looks like, sorry. Um, But it's, it is, I appreciate you talking about that because I think once I have fall, you know, kind of identified that I too fall into that pattern where I just, you know, almost like you're just choosing it and not even being aware of or or under or yeah, being aware that that's what you're doing, right? Like it just is, you know. Oh, I'm 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 <laughs> my keyword for myself is I'm just being more realistic. I'm just being realistic. So I'm gonna just I'm gonna take this the the you know the 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 safer bet, uh, the thing that uh, doesn't really stress me out or doesn't seem like you know if the outcome doesn't go my way, it won't be as hard for me to deal with. I'm gonna take that, and that's just me being a realistic person. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. Realism, you know, being realistic rather is good. And we all know I've had my concerns about being a flaky person, which I know that I'm not, but whatever. Again, the stories we tell ourselves. But I agree with you in that just 
there's a difference between being cautious and really, you know, being careful and not putting yourself in harm's way. And then there, that just can be like that overdone kind of strength or trait. And then all of a sudden you're just sheltering yourself from, from anything and everything. And then, as you said, you're not getting the things that you want. You're not, you're not, you're kind of cutting, as you said, you're cutting yourself off from living a life with happiness and joy, uh, or maybe not, it's not totally devoid of those things, but definitely you're just not, for me, it feels like I'm not living that life of, you know, like my purpose or, or being as fulfilled, I guess, as I, as I could be, if I were willing to get a little more uncomfortable kind of going for those things that I, well, first of all, I have to admit that I really want them, right? And then mm-hmm. um, admit like, no, this is something that I actually really want. And I am going to put the work in and I am going to be okay being uncomfortable in this time that I'm working for it. And I think I talked about it last week. If it doesn't work out, I'll be okay with that too. But I no longer want to hold hold myself back because that's all that is. No one else is doing that to me. Uh, that's all me uh, making those choices. I totally relate because I hadn't realized how much I chose not to go forward with something I really wanted to do just because I was afraid. And for me, what gets in the what gets in the way of me doing some of the things I want to do are really nebulous fears. Mm -hmm. It's the fear of appearing to be rude. It's the fear of being unlikable or big headed or conceited or, um, you know, some people who may have skin color similar to mine, uh, uppity um, (laughs) is a word that has been used a lot or looking bad or looking silly or fear of um, people being excited about my failure because I've had that happen before. Like we're, I remember distinctly a time when I was in school and there were these writing contests and contests where you just had the most spelling words or you could do math, like all of your times tables, the fastest. And I remember thinking, um, I want to win and this is what I'm good at because I didn't win in a lot of sports. And so I won and won and won and won and and thought I would win them all, to be honest. And then Mm -hmm. one day I didn't win. And I remember the feeling of somebody who I thought was my friend. And she might have still been my friend because we're very young. This is like the second or third grade, rubbing it in my face. And I felt bad that I hadn't won. I like to win. And and I know, and I'm worried even just saying that on the podcast, that people will think of me as aggressive and unlikable and unladylike for saying that. But I distinctly remember um, Heather saying to me, you're not as smart as you think you are. You can't win them all in this really happy way. Mm -hmm. And I remember from that moment forward, oh, I didn't realize people weren't rooting for me. I didn't realize, like, I realized that some people were sore losers because I was, but I thought you were supposed to at least outwardly pretend to be happy for the winner. Like I was raised, you shake their hand and say, congratulations, good game. And and trust me, I lost in enough sports to have to be good at that. And I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't, I didn't know you were allowed to like harsh someone's women, winning vibe like that. Like, and it made me pretend 
constantly that I didn't want to win and mm-hmm. hide that I liked winning a lot. And then sometimes even the fear of losing and getting someone saying that made it harder for me to compete and win. Like that really got into my head. And uh, I just really wish I'd stood up for myself or wish I got okay with the discomfort of not everyone rooting for me earlier. And I think I'm going to go for that again, like to get back to the person who doesn't mind running out front and winning things. Mm -hmm. That's really uh, helpful because I did, you know, when you were talking about uh, having getting comfortable having the uncomfortable conversations and then now this idea of getting comfortable with other people I guess gleefully uh gleefully touting your not winning failure (laughs) failure yes I don't yeah right if I go for number one and I get number two for me it's a failure I don't care Right. I think (laughs) the idea of that, though, you know, we've talked about it before is um, also coming to understand when we're looking at getting comfortable with discomfort. It's also understanding that I'm not responsible for that other person's discomfort. So when we talk about being uncomfortable, excuse me, getting comfortable with discomfort, we I first have to ask, okay, I'm uncomfortable in this situation, but is it because it's my discomfort or is it because I'm taking on somebody else's and if it's somebody else's I'm just now coming to understand that I don't have to own that like if you're uncomfortable with me winning or me at least doing better than you that's your that's your deal that's your deal. And, you know, you want to talk about it, great. But if you want to kind of shame me for it, or try to somehow make me feel uncomfortable, I just, I probably will still feel it. I'm just not gonna try to make you feel better. uh, Because that's not my job. And it's not my responsibility. And that is a hard one lesson that I have just come to uh, this year. I think in doing some of, you know, the personal Uh, work as far as identifying strengths and characteristics. And uh, I, in particular, just, I, I always want, I I always want things to just be like, cool. Can we just, everything just be calm, right? Uh, And if it's not, then I, I kind of go into this hyperdrive of like, okay, how do I make this better? How do I, how do I, what do I need to do? You good? You're not good. Okay. How do I fix it for you? And that's just so much work. <laughs> yes. That's if I could so just be work. uncomfortable with people not being happy, yes. I would not have to run around like a crazy person. Exactly. And I think that for me, uh, when we talk about this, because, right, we're talking about it because it's something that we both need and want to work on. That's my first step is, am I truly uncomfortable because of me or is it because of this other person and I feel a need to make them feel better? Now, that does not mean, right, that's not, I'm not saying that I'm going to just go out and now suddenly be, you know, on an, on unempathetic to other people. I certainly still have that, uh, but I'm not going to go out of my way necessarily to take on other people's stuff. I just, I can't, I won't. And I say that now with a lot of conviction and I'll probably still, because it's so new, I'll still end up 
you know, kind of falling into it, but I hope I wake up to that a little bit quicker and then can recognize like, oh, wait a minute, that's actually theirs. And if they want some help, I'll, I'll, I'll try. But if that doesn't come for them or if, 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 if they want to stay in that space, then that's totally uh, up to them and, and more power to them. But I'm going to keep doing my thing and try to keep getting my life to the place that I like to the place that I want it to be. I love that. It's interesting that you mentioned that because I have been like tied into knots trying to make other people's feelings okay. Not realizing that people can feel things just like I've had to learn to feel things that aren't necessarily a-okay, but they're still okay. If you know what I'm saying, I'll give you where I learned this and where I have to keep reminding myself that I learned it. Cause sometimes I learn things, Brianna, and then I forget that I learned them at all. And it's as if I learned nothing, uh, but we can, re- it, but it's easier to remember when I remember long story longer. I was in a 12 step group and they have this thing where you share and you get to make it fair for everyone. So that one person like me doesn't talk for ages, right? There's a timer. You get like a, like sometimes they're like, everybody gets three minutes to share what's on their mind. You raise your hand. If you get picked, you share, or they go in a circle, whatever. At the two minute mark, you get a one minute warning and then they say time. And I remember the first time I got in there and like people were sharing personal stuff and they'd like burst into tears. Then the timer would go off mm. and then, then, then the timer person would be like, okay, and that's your time. And then they'd have to pick the person who's next. And I remember thinking, this is the cruelest thing I've seen in the world. Like, are they okay? You just cut them off like that so that this person can talk about a parking ticket. They were talking about something serious. Like, and I was just like, it was completely uncomfortable to me. The idea that, mm-hmm this person could share something that major and be in tears. And then we just all as a group move on. And what I didn't have faith was that that person was developing the skills to work through their own pain mm-hmm. and that they would be okay. Just like when I did it, I would be okay. And this thing that I do where I don't have I have a lack of faith that other people can be okay without me fixing it for them or giving them the opportunity to fix it. And that even if they can't fix it in that moment, that they will eventually learn without me saving them constantly is not helping me. It's not helping them. But I never thought that through, Brianna, because in the moment it was just like panic fix. Mm -hmm. And what is the thing I read on the internet that just it was just a phrase somebody wrote in an article or it was a meme. I don't know. Somewhere on the internet, I heard the phrase, helping is the sunny side of control. Mm. Now, I don't think that's always true, but I think, Brianna, I've made it true for me a lot of times. I just want to control the situation so I can feel secure and so I don't risk being uncomfortable. And the truth of the matter is, If I give myself the opportunity to feel that discomfort, I will understand more and more that that's okay. Mm -hmm. That's not a sense. Sometimes you'll feel pain. Sometimes you'll feel discomfort. It doesn't always mean things aren't going right. Mm -hmm. Well, and it definitely does not, you know, I think that comes to, I feel like I, we talk about it at least every other episode, but it comes back to that idea of you're building your resilience. So if I am uncomfortable and whether I'm uncomfortable while 
I'm working through something and it works out, or if I'm uncomfortable working through or, or working towards something and it doesn't work out, either way, I'm building, as you said, I'm building that muscle and I'm building that sense of resilience that, that no, no matter the outcome, no matter how it feels while it's happening, I am going to be okay. And I feel like that's the, that is the, uh, the phrase or the message that I need to be taking with me is I'm going to be okay. Instead of, you know, running off to the races about all these ways that, you know, the failure is going to lead to this. And it's always like some right dramatic domino effect uh, if things don't work out. But really coming to that idea of no matter what happens, I am going to be okay. And that can be, even if it's, un- even if I'm uncomfortable, even if I'm uncomfortable for, you know, whether it's two minutes, 20 minutes, days, weeks, whatever, if I'm uncomfortable, I will, it's not as if I'm not going to be doing anything during that time. I mean, I know me, I know how my brain works. I'm going to be working to solve that problem. Uh, But what I no longer want to do is take necessarily I mean, sometimes it might be the path of least resistance, but I don't want to just take the path of least resistance to get me out of the discomfort. I want to look at what is it that I really want? What is What was the point of even starting down this path? Keep that in mind. Look to see why is this uncomfortable? Is it my discomfort? Is it somebody else's? Is it uncomfortable because I'm approaching something I don't actually know how to do? Is it because I'm telling myself a story? Whatever figuring that out, sticking with it, knowing that I will be okay, that all of that is just building that muscle, building that resilience so that I can keep going for these things that I want. And as you said, uh, really being able to live and experience this life that I want. Absolutely. I think keeping at the forefront of your mind why you went down this road is really important because it does two things. One, it allows you to not subconsciously choose just to avoid discomfort and then divert your whole life course or your whole dream or your whole whatever. But it also allows you to reexamine, hey, does this path, now that there's this barrier, does this even lead to where I want to go? Because it's been really weird. Sometimes I've stayed in uncomfortable situations, like like I'll go on a date. And the hope behind going on a date, right, when I was single, this is, is that I'm going to find a healthy, happy relationship or at least have a nice evening. When confronted with the uncomfortableness of per, a person who is absolutely an unsuitable match and possibly even not a great person safety-wise for me to be with, Mm-hmm. Now I'm uncomfortable, but I have to choose which discomfort is right. Well, my goal was to be in a healthy, happy place, right? Or at least have a nice evening. That is not why, that's not what's happening here. Now I'm in an icky place, right? A possibly dangerous place. But what I'm afraid of is more offending this person that I am being safe. Mm-hmm. And so I have to choose which discomfort I'm going to go through. And it's really interesting to watch how over my lifetime, my my brain has remained uncomfortable in less than optimum situations because of a fear of a minor discomfort. 
Mm-hmm. Like I, my not wanting somebody to feel bad has had me eat around bugs at restaurants, uh, pay more money for things that I couldn't afford, mm-hmm. not returned items that don't fit me, and remained on dates that were probably questionable mm-hmm. for my safety, or been in relationships that I should have left earlier at my at the cost of my own personal health and safety, all because I did the. Um, well, you know, when I'm doing that voice in my mind, like, well, I actually think it's probably not that bad. It's probably good that I, whenever I'm doing that sing-songy, wishy-washy voice justifying where I'm at because I'm afraid of an uncomfortable conversation, I've chosen the wrong discomfort, Brianna. Mm-hmm. If I know why I was supposed to be there in the first place and I keep that in front of mind, I'll know when I'm supposed to bail and when I'm not. It's mm-hmm. when I forget that, that I'm in trouble. Mm-hmm. And I feel like with that example, I can share probably the the opposite side of that, which would be, you know, being so afraid that something, you know, being, I think you you said it was the the whole point of you wanting to date is to be in a happy, healthy relationship, right? So great. Yes. Same. That's what I'm interested in. But I, on the flip side of that, have been so concerned about things not working out or being in those uncomfortable situations that I really never, for a very long time, didn't put myself out there. Like, I was just like, oh, I'm really interested in this. And then like kind of dip it, like get like getting close to kind of like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. And then be like, ah, no, never mind. It's too uncomfortable. I can't even fathom like, you know, going out with someone and and having it be awkward or going out with someone and having uh, like getting into a relationship and having it not work out. All of that just felt too big and too much for me for a long time to even want to try. So there are different ways I think that our discomfort can get in the way of us wanting to, or excuse me, um, different ways that our discomfort or even the fear of being uncomfortable can get in the way and prevent us from moving toward those things that we want or the things that we're interested in. Yes. And you know what's interesting is I've actually put myself in some very uncomfortable situations for myself in pursuit of a bigger goal. And it always, and it surprised me because I would have thought if you would have told me this 20 years ago or 10 years ago when I was younger, that I was the kind of person who went for it, that I had no problem being uncomfortable because there were things that I did in my life that were really bold, like moving to LA and becoming a a comedian like doing comedy was very uncomfortable for me. I cried a lot. Mm-hmm. I It was hard. And I was the kind of person who was afraid to talk to people at a party. And so what did I do? I went up and I, I was afraid of being judged by strangers. Well, you know, you want to know a quick way to get judged by a lot of strangers all in one blow? Comedy. Comedy's <laughs> great for that. Um, and I did it. And it hurt. It hurt a lot. And I had to do all kinds of things that made me uncomfortable. Drive late at night with no one around, uh, get on freeways, get lost, use a Thomas guide out here in LA, like leave my family and my friends. Some of my financial security was risked, you know, all for Mm -hmm. this dream. And so I would have thought, oh, I've got this covered. But the truth is I could do all of that. Even I had that, I still have a fear in the car. And the way I dealt with that 
ultimately, and I still work with it, is I got that job as a driving instructor, which is by by and large, even if you don't have a fear of car accidents because you've been in a number of car accidents, um, being a driving instructor just for regular people is terrifying. And guess what? As I try to keep a kid from like steering me into oncoming traffic on the freeway or driving us off the side of a canyon, um, it was terrifying, Brianna. <laughs> And I'm not sure I recommend that for other people. It was genuine. It wasn't just uncomfortable. It was, it felt deathy and could have been. Um, and one of the kids did steer us into a moving truck after we got off the freeway. We did the freeway great. She was a great driver. And then she just merged right into um, a very large uh, pickup truck. I was in that car accident, which is what I was most afraid of happening. And it happened. Mm. And so I would have thought I was great at being uncomfortable. But Brianna, I had to commit to you because I'm going on vacation that I'm going to wear shorts in public. What, what? <laughs> right. <laughs> I risked my financial future to become a comedian after being put in the bilingual program as a kid because I didn't talk at school. Mm -hmm. I could do that. I, 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 we also talked about the possibility of me wearing a tank top. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right, right, right. What? Um, so I'm just saying, just because you feel immediately that perhaps you do not need to learn the lesson, look at all the arenas of your life uh, and see where maybe some things are getting chosen that you had actively thought you were choosing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it just puts... I just appreciate, I mean, obviously we had the conversation about the shorts and the tank top, so I was there, but it's not until this moment that I really appreciate, I guess, the reminder, not just to look back and see where you've been, you've done some things that maybe because they worked out, now you don't remember that they were uncomfortable or you remember that they were uncomfortable, but, uh, I guess it's sort of like anytime you do something really challenging and then time has passed and you kind of forget what that feels like. So I think it's, I, I appreciate you talking about the tank top and the shorts because I was just thinking about the fact that I, you know, <laughs> talking about doing uncomfortable things, I'm a nurse. <laughs> and let me just say, there's nothing for me that was more uncomfortable than that very first day on a night shift when I took my own patients, because now it's not just about me, obviously, it is about these five people that I need to be watching so that if anything starts to happen, that looks like their condition is changing for the work for, yeah, going the wrong way. I need to be aware of that. And I need to be ready to, to intervene or to do something about that. You mean you're in a life and death situation, literally? Yeah, you are. <laughs> life and death situation but yet i am uncomfortable wearing a swimsuit to a public pool i mean yes. come on man <laughs> what the you know but yes i mean for real so i appreciate that because now i feel like oh man we're gonna stop you know we're gonna finish up this podcast and i maybe need to go back and do a little life evaluation and see <laughs> see kind of what uh 
what choices that I've been making and where, you know, maybe in the way that I use, that we use uh, some uh, affirming phrases or we use sarcasm, whatever, taking some of that opportunity to bring that to the discomfort and say to myself, oh, really? Uh, you feel like you're going to be a little uncomfortable? Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of something off the top of my going on, you know, going on vacation and trying to do this, you know, go by yourself to this restaurant that you really want to go to that you feel like that's going to be too uncomfortable to for you to do. But meanwhile, you know, this patient is tanking and you handle that with no problem. Really? Really? That's what that's how you're going to play this game. And uh, I guess I'm saying to myself, no, I'm not playing that game anymore. Um, and that's not to say that all of a sudden discomfort is going to magically disappear. It's not. It's always going to be there. Uh, but I just think I can maybe do a little bit better job of <laughs> identifying, uh, you know, maybe, I don't know, is that prioritizing my discomfort? I'm not sure what the right word for that is. But if it's something kind of like, like, uh, you know, swimsuit in public versus, hey, you know, meanwhile, you had this sick patient that you were able to be very uncomfortable handling. And it's a little different, I think, to coming to coming to the being uncomfortable, but being able to do things when it's when it involves others, I guess the other part of that would be just uh, wanting to give myself that much of, you know, applying that to myself as well as I do for uh, stepping into discomfort for and advocating for other people, I guess. Well, and that brings me to one of the solutions that actually is what carries me through hard times. And the solution that I've used is to leverage, it's sort of, um, I call it like creating your own tornado, right? It's as if you like put a heater in a room with the, with the air conditioner and you were like, we're going to battle it out. And it's leveraging one discomfort for another. Mm. And that is how I did comedy. I did comedy. The reason why I finally did comedy is one, I called, um, I won't say the number, but it's like number, 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 and then joke was the number, um, like three digits in a joke. I called that the first Wednesday of the month at 4.30 and I got a time and the times were coveted. And because they knew my name now, because I had to give it to them, I didn't want them to forever think of me as a no-show, right? Mm. So now I had a deadline. I also volunteered to write an article about my first time doing stand-up. So now I'd used a favor and now I had a deadline and people were expecting me to do it. And then those people from the magazine wanted to come. Mm, mm -hmm. And so as much as I wanted to cancel, and even though this was my dream, the reason why I finally did comedy. Oh, and by the way, I procrastinated writing any jokes, by the way, until the day before mm -hmm. and the day of. And I literally had to write down on the piece of paper hello, my name is Christy Murphy. Like, that's how I started. Like, I think I, I think I turned out with, um, my name is Christy Murphy was like the first thing. And I wrote that down on the paper. Like, that's mm -hmm. how like terrified I was of mm -hmm. doing standup. And I was more, more than in that moment, I wanted the dream of being a comedian. I was more afraid of looking bad and disappointing the people at my work and not turning in that article and disappointing the people at the club. Because in that moment of not just discomfort, but outright terror, it, I was I, half the time, I think something's a great idea. And then on the day that I have to like drive to go to whatever it is I've cooked up, Brianna, I'm like, why did I do any of this? Mm -hmm. Like, it doesn't feel like 
Like in the moment where I put that swimsuit on and I'm going to walk out of wherever I am, I think to myself, I don't even want to swim. Like I don't like the memory of the joy of being in a pool or at the ocean or being with friends or having fun does not exist in that moment. And so what you, what makes me do what I don't want to do. And this is just for me. I'm not, we were talking about carrot and stick. Mm -hmm. I'm more stick than carrot. That's just who I am right now. And so I leverage a bigger stick to make me go have fun. Mm -hmm. That's what it takes. You want to know what made me get over my car fear? The fact that I applied for a job that I didn't even need the money for, Brianna. I didn't want to disappoint people I'd never met before. It turned out the trainer, Tom, was really cool. And I just wanted him to be my friend. And so I kept showing up. Because God forbid Tom thought I was a coward. <laughs> Somebody I didn't know. Oh boy. I love that. There's a lot there to unpack. There's a lot there to unpack. First of all, we talked, yes, you're right. We talked about the carrot and the stick, and that sometimes it is going to be the stick. And then honestly, as we talked about, I mean, it's still just going to be a carrot. <laughs> It's yeah, I think the word carrot is perfect because it is. It's just a carrot. I'm not that motivated by a carrot. Put some chicken wings and some ranch in there. And then suddenly it's interesting to me. Oh, but there is the there is kind of that um the identifying again coming back to that sense of self-awareness, but identifying what's going to be your motivating factor to get you to do the thing that's uncomfortable. Is it um, it's more uncomfortable to not do it. Is it that um, you're, you know, I know you and I have talked about like our competitiveness sometimes will be the motivating factor to help us work through our discomfort, or it's just that sense of, I don't want to look bad. Figure, figuring out what our motivating factor is, is really important. Um, and I think the one of the things for me has been that it just becomes too, like we've talked about from a, I, okay, let me think about this. So wanting to change, I want to continue to learn. I want to continue to grow and transform. I don't feel like I'm going to be, you know, looking back, I'm not the same person I was five years ago, 10 years ago, whatever. I can see that there has been change. Now my values and um, those types of things have, have stayed pretty much the same. Like, I don't think I'm changing. I don't want to say I'm, I don't think I'm changing like me, who I am, but like I'm learning and growing. And so there's change there. And I think for me, one of the pieces uh, related to discomfort is eventually uh, I get the discomfort of staying static or, st- you know, the discomfort of not changing, of not learning, of not growing will eventually outpace the whatever discomfort I'm worried about. So let's just say, um, or let's, the example for me would be when we were, when I was living in California, you know, I had, we worked together. I had a job that I really enjoyed, but I had gotten to kind of the top of what I was going to be able to do in that role. And there really wasn't anywhere else for me to go in that company. And fine, I could have just whatever stuck with that and that would have been fine. But it just started to be uncomfortable not 
being able to do more, not being able to learn anything, you know, not being able to learn something new. And then I started to have really have this sense of I, I wanted something that was going to put me in front of other people to, you know, be able to help people and use some of the talents and gifts and strengths I felt like I had. And so nursing came up and that took me a long time. I mean, I feel like the idea of that came up and I talked myself out of it quite a bit. Uh, and eventually as it, but it kept coming back and eventually it got more uncomfortable not to, to go for it than it did to just kind of be worried that, oh, I can't, I'm not smart enough for it. I can't, you know, financially, it's going to be more money. I got to go back to school. I already have a degree, you know, all the things that I was kind of telling myself, but eventually it just got more uncomfortable to not do it than to try. And we all know, right. I've talked about this, how challenging and emotionally stressful and that nursing school was. Um, But ultimately I was able to make it through all of that discomfort to get this thing that I really wanted. And even now that I'm no longer at the bedside, I don't, you know, I don't practice direct patient care. And I recently left the clinical space altogether to do a different role in nursing, which is one of the beauties of nursing. There's just so much you can do. There was even discomfort there. Like, oh my gosh, you're going to leave the bedside and blah all the the talk that kind of goes with that and the answer was yeah because to stay at to stay at the bedside doing nursing in the way that I was being kind of allowed to do it just wasn't something I was comfortable with anymore and wasn't something I wanted to do same with when I got into a manager role it just got to be to a space where to be in it was more uncomfortable to be to to go for something else. And so I think it is coming to that sense of which understanding, well, what's more uncomfortable, uh, constantly sort of downplaying my goals or downplaying the things that I want and, and being afraid uh, of an outcome that I, that I mean, I probably have a 50-50% chance, or honestly, if I'm honest, most of the things I'm interested in, I it's more than 50%. So is it more uncomfortable to just go for it uh, and see what happens or to be wanting this thing and just constantly telling myself, you know, oh, I I, I can't do it. I, I don't want to do it. I'm, I'm And being kind of living in that space of being a little too afraid to go for it. I love that because it reminds me of that quote that people say, uh, and I think a bunch of people said different versions of it, but it's essentially the, um, we change when the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of changing. Mm -hmm. And I do believe that by consciously examining your life and looking at why you're choosing something, you can amplify the pain. You can realize like once I, once I'm on to me, it doesn't work anymore. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Like once I realize, oh, you, maybe you're not so much. Now, listen, I do think I'm an indoor cat, but maybe, but even indoor cats enjoy strolling out into the yard or whatnot. And I'm realizing, you know, I have a lot of hormone issues and, you know, uh, um, I'm in my, as I like to think of it as my um, Jurassic or Paleolithic era, right? It's perimenopause. Nobody <laughs> wants to hear about it, but I'm in that era of my life. So I have a lot of, and I'm, and I'm um, overweight. 
And so, and I have some nerve issues, right? So these things go together to make it more likely that I'm going to be a sweaty person. And one of the things I realized was, well, what if you just wore, but you're so ashamed of the way you look that you won't wear like shorts and a tank top or a swimsuit? Maybe that would make you more comfortable and maybe cut your hair so that, you know what I mean? In the back, it's not hurt, but I'm so worried that it's going to make my face look fatter that I'm not, I'm just going to be sweaty and I'm just going to be like a, like a veal indoors when the very thing that could help me is like being outside more and being more Mm -hmm. active or walking around more. And it's just like, just get comfortable being uncomfortable, like become comfortable being uncomfortable. And it's interesting because one of the ways I've done that in the past, and I know this sounds terrible, like I should be reaching for health, right? But one of the things that I like just saying that I'm worried about my face looking fat, even though I actually like short haircuts and um, my hair, I'm getting sweaty, it causes rashes and it's harder to put on the medicine for my psoriasis, like all that stuff. It would be so much easier if I had shorter hair. But one of the reasons why I say it on the podcast, Brianna, is because there's like that weird accountability. Mm-hmm. Like now I've said it out loud, it's real. And I feel like a lot of times it's when I'm not at my optimum place, let's just say, I can leverage doing the right thing for the wrong reason all the time. (laughs) Why did I practice? Okay. Why did I practice the violin my junior year so much? Uh, Because I wanted to beat Kim. Okay, I'm not saying her last name. I remember her full name, Brianna. Do you know what I mean? I wanted, I think from ninth to 11th grade, I never practiced more because I wanted to beat her so bad. And it wasn't for a joy of playing the violin or my art. It was because I wanted to win. Okay, mm-hmm. that's probably a not the most optimum reason. In some people's book, it might be some sort of character flaw. Think, judge me as you will. But did it get the job done? It did. I was a better violinist for her existing. And I, I remember when, you know, like people are like, this is an unhealthy relationship. You need to break up. And I had a really hard time with um, a person who was very charming, but very bad for me. And I had a really hard time breaking up for him, with him. And I finally broke up with him and I sought support for staying broken up. And there was a couple of things that made me not go back. On my great days, I told myself I was choosing something better. I was choosing something healthier. On my not so great days, I didn't want to have to tell the other people in my group where I finally had comfort comfort that I did it again. I didn't mm-hmm. want to look bad. And then on my worst days, Brianna, um, I told myself that if I handled this breakup with such dignity that he would change and I would get him back. Mm-hmm. That was what I did on my worst day. That's how I kept myself from selling myself out and being in a relationship that was really detrimental to, I would never have gotten to where I've gotten. I would never have succeeded in the things I've succeeded in. I would have, it would have irreversibly changed the course of my life if I didn't get out of that relationship. And what kept me from doing that was the promise that I could keep him, I could get him back. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but then by the time I didn't need it anymore, I don't, I was like, whoa, do you know what I'm saying? Like by the, like doing the right thing for the wrong reason works because then you get self-esteem and the right reason becomes like you get comfortable with your success and you mm-hmm. don't want to go back. Right. And if you're going to tell yourself a story, it might as well be one that's helpful. Right. Yeah. I really, 
we've we've talked about that before and i feel like that is a really helpful you know a really helpful when we talk about the discomfort piece especially because if that's what it's going to take uh to help me like weather this just uncomfortable like kind of period then so be it uh it makes me think of you know in my 20s i well even before that in college, I guess, uh, I was a smoker, like a social smoker, right? That's back in the day when you could smoke in bars and, you know, basically everywhere. <laughs> Anywhere you wanted to go, you could smoke. Um, you could even smoke in hospitals. Uh, anyway, I digress. Uh, so I was a social smoker. So I kept telling myself it wasn't a big deal because I didn't do it all the time, but it's a big deal and it's not good for you. And after college, I really wanted to quit and it took a lot. It took a lot of like times <laughs> like, okay, I'm done now. Okay, no, no, now I'm done. Okay, I'm just going to do it for this one wedding and then I'll be done. You name it. You know, it was kind of like a back and forth. And um it seems like, right, because we know it's bad for us, it doesn't actually, I'm not going to lie, it, 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 uh, it didn't, it, it doesn't necessarily feel good, but you obviously you get something from it or people wouldn't do it. Anyway, um, so in the end, it became similar to what you're talking about. It just became about, um, I moved in with some people who were non-smokers and I didn't want to go outside in the winter to smoke. And so that was kind of how I got to quit. And then once, you know, winter was over, I just had kind of logged so many days that I wasn't willing to lose the days. So it wasn't even about you know, oh, this is better for me. Uh, obviously, my clothes don't stink and blah, 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 whatever. Uh, it was just about, I pulled out that competitive nature and yes. used it to my advantage to say, I there is no way I am starting this over because I know I don't want to be a smoker and I don't want to constantly be starting over at zero. So this is just the thing. And it was uncomfortable, right? I mean, uh, it's been probably, I don't know, almost 20 years. And every once in a while, I'm still like, oh, yeah, I could go for one. And then it's like, absolutely not. <laughs> we don't do that anymore. But the discomfort, uh, like kind of associated with, as you said, having to tell people, oh, like people who knew I had quit to kind of be smoking again in front of them would be, I couldn't do that. And then also that sense of like, I'm winning right now. <laughs> I've logged all these days and I don't want to give that up. And so um, just using whatever is at your disposal to weather that discomfort and get what, again, get that sense of what it is that you're really wanting or the thing that that is going to be helpful for you. Uh, just finding out, figuring out different ways to do that. And you might have to try a couple of different things. Um, if you try going for it from a carrot perspective and that doesn't work as we found out then maybe you have to do it uh with the stick or maybe you have to get competitive about it but um every situation is probably going to be a little bit different but we like everything are going to find those things that work for us yes and what i love about that particular example is there's a couple of solutions like all at work at once like one was like you whether by by deliberate attempt or just by happenstance, you found yourself in an environment that supported the change you wanted to be in. Mm -hmm. And you can 
choose to be like for me, I chose to be in an environment filled with driving instructors who lived with the absolute fear that a kid was going to kill us at any moment. Uh, and, and they just did it anyway. They learned how to deal with that fear. And so being in that environment made me go, okay, it can be done. I can do it. You know, and everyone was saying that. See, like you were in a house filled with non-smokers. It was inconvenient for you to go outside, like making it so it's less convenient for you to participate in the temporal comfort can help you weather the discomfort. Mm -hmm. And I also think that also the concept that I will look bad is one of the things that stops me from changing, but it's also one of the things that keeps me from changing back. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so saying that you had so many days, I literally said to David, I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll, maybe I'll have a soda while we're on vacation. And he's like, do you really want to do that? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I do. And then he's like, oh, okay. You know, he's like, uh, do you think you'll just be able to go back? And I was like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'll be able to just go back to not drinking Diet Coke if I have Diet Coke or a Diet Pepsi on the trip, right? And so I already told everybody that I quit Diet Coke, Brianna. Mm -hmm. So there were a couple of things. There were a couple of things in that like moment that was like causing me to err on the, you know what? We're not going to get a Diet Coke. I went and saw my friend at a restaurant. And of course, now I'm back off of restaurants again because the numbers are getting weird at our particular place in the woods. But I was out at a restaurant. I thought, well, I'm back out in the world. Let's have a diet soda. And then I went, uh, let's not. Mm -hmm. like, let's, because there's a couple of things. One, I don't want to have to tell everybody I'm back on soda, right? And then I might not be able to get back out, right? Because, it, you know, it's like the mob, me and Diet Coke. You know what I mean? Once they get you in, <laughs> they don't let you out. And then the third thing is my new attitude, and I always have to remember this, if all I can see, if the best case scenario is that nothing bad will happen, it's not a good enough scenario. If the best case scenario, the best thing that can happen to me when I have that diet soda, Brianna, is that I don't completely go off the diet soda wagon and I'm okay. But tell me what great thing is going to happen to me for that risk. What am I risking? Mm -hmm. And what am I getting? Mm -hmm. I don't bet a dollar for a dollar five anymore. I don't bet a dollar for a dollar 30, especially not my last dollar. It's like, no, what do I get for this risk? Okay, you know what? I'm going to deal with the temporary discomfort of not reaching for the comfort of yet another diet soda. Mm -hmm. I, I think that is so helpful and, and really where I feel like we've wanted to kind of why we wanted to do this episode is just to help remind ourselves. And then of course uh, the folks that are listening uh, just to talk about the idea that uh really identifying what it is that we want, identifying what might make it make us uncomfortable while we're trying to get it. And then recognizing like, is the discomfort worth the potential outcome? Even if it doesn't work out the way we think it will. And, and I feel like where I'm trying to get to is changing my mindset to be able to remind myself, yes, it is. It is always, you know, it is always worth the discomfort for me coming to that understanding. It is always worth the discomfort to try and to go for and to maybe have to, if it doesn't work out, try it again in a different way, tweak it, whatever. But it is worth trying to get those things that I really want. And it is worth that discomfort. So I definitely appreciate you talking about that. I just really feel like the hope behind like 
getting comfortable being uncomfortable is that we get more fulfillment and we have more resilience and we take risks that benefit our lives in a positive way and that Mm -hmm. we have more exciting experiences and we fulfill our potential because there is that existential pain of the life left unlived. And I don't want that for me. And I don't want that for the people who are reaching for something a little bit bigger than what they have right now. They want more and there's nothing wrong with that. But I do think what gets in the way are things like the fear of looking rude or big headed or conceited or the fear of being unlikable or looking silly or a failure or the fear of being uncomfortable in general, like, or looking bad or looking stupid or needing to do things the right way. Uh, But I do think some of the solutions are in the stuff that we talked about, like, you know, what is the best case scenario? What am I risking for? What am I getting? Um, I really liked you creating an environment that supports uh, staying in the change that you want to be and remembering the reason why we even went down this path in the first place. Remember why we came and leveraging your fears against each other. Do the right thing for the wrong reason. And just in general, identifying exactly what it's going to take without judgment to get you to do the thing that's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I think that br- brings us what brings us into our mission for the week, which is to identify one small thing you want for yourself, but have been too uncomfortable to try and just go for it. And we would love to hear from you, uh, whether you want to share that one small thing with us, you have questions, or you want to share your perspectives on the topics that we've discussed, you can email us at positiveviewpodcast at gmail.com. That's positiveview, V-I-E-W, podcast at gmail.com. Yes, and on the next episode, we're talking about personal transformation and how to change our lives. But don't forget, new episodes are available every Monday. Please subscribe and take a moment to rate the podcast because it helps more people find us. Also, if you're enjoying the Positive View podcast, share us with your friends. And that is our show for today. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Christy Murphy. And I'm your other host, Brianna G. We'll talk soon.